right now is to introduce Mike Bird, who is uh, the pastor who's going to preach for us uh, this evening. You all know Mike. He's preached for us before. Faith Community Bible uh, Faith Community Bible Church is a church that we support. Your tithes and offerings go to support, um, in part, Faith Community. And so we are honored to have him here again uh, this evening. Um, Faith Community was launched uh, September of 2016 with a very simple mission, yet profound mission, and that is to make Christ known in the community. Very simple, but yet very, very profound. And now they get to do it in two communities, the Jennings Campus and the North City Campus. And God has been doing a wonderful things there. As you know, the North Campus was... Apostles Church, and that was another church that we were helping to support. And in God's providence, he brought those churches together under the leadership of Mike and his team. And so it's another way we can pray for that church as that dynamic is still being worked out and fleshed out and organized, I'm sure. Pastor Bird, Mike, is married to his wife, Tracy, who is also here tonight. Amen. Guys, that's a good example for all of us men, right? Right there. Tracy, who supports him and encourages him to do the will of God, and they are both blessed to have children, Trinity, Michaela, Michael Jr., and Tyler. Did I leave anybody out? That's everybody? Okay, awesome. Mike is also the director of Faithful Men. Faithful Men is a ministry designed to connect with and encourage urban inner city pastors for mission and gospel partnerships, the aim of which is to see African-American pastors and leaders empowered for ministry through gospel-centered partnerships. There's a whole lot more that we can say about Mike. But, but what I get to say right now is that I just consider him a brother and a friend. Jesse Packard and I, in 2018 and 2019, got to go through a Lead St. Louis leadership process. It was a two-year uh, program, a cohort, where uh, about 10 or so guys got together once a month. We would read a book for the month, and we would discuss it and pray together, and, and we were assigned coaches. And for a year of that program, I got to have Mike as my coach. And it was such a blessing. That's my wife clapping. That's awesome. And it was such a blessing. She'd clap me because I would go home and tell her things that Mike would tell me. And it was such a blessing. It was such a blessing to be with those other 10 guys. They were, some of them were pastors. Some of them were deacons in churches. Some of them were bivocational. Some of them were lay leaders. It was a great mix of guys that were just coming together to learn how to be better leaders and better lovers of Jesus. And Mike led that group so well. And so I have been honored to be a part of that with Mike. So Mike, come on up here. I'm going to pray over you and pray for you. He is going to probably tell you that, that during our relationship, when we, when we got to hang out and, um, and, and have coffee or have lunch, that I was more of a disciple to him than me, but don't believe that. I'm going to preemptively I'm say don't believe that. Uh, it, was, it was truly a, a mutual blessing. But I'm going to pray for Mike. Uh, one last thing he brought, his co-pastor, Pastor Lawrence Baker and his wife, Melinda. And so we it's welcome actually, you as well. It's actually Bishop Lawrence Baker. Bishop Lawrence Baker. <laughs> I like that. All right, brother, I'm going to pray for you. Jesus, we are so humbled by the salvation that you have given us. But you have done in, in each of our hearts to bring us from death to life is nothing short of a miracle. And we thank you for that, God. 
each and every person listening to my voice that is a believer thanks you for that. But we thank you and we bless and we pray for Pastor Mike now and pray that your spirit would speak through this man, that you would refresh his soul. It's been a long day for him, I know. Calm his soul, Lord, to speak truth to us that we need, the specific words, the specific preaching that we need to receive from the book of Acts right now in this moment that you want to apply to our lives for your glory so that we can leave here and to love others as, we, as you have loved us. So, Lord, we pray for Mike. We pray your blessing and your love, and your mercy, and your kindness to come out of this man in new ways that you want to work through him and in him. We thank you for his obedience to the gospel and for his obedience to love and to disciple men and women for your glory and your glory alone. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Bless you, brother. Good evening, Red Tree. How y'all feeling? Y'all feeling good? Feeling good. Good. Can we just put our hands together and celebrate the Lord together? <laughs> Amen. What a, what a privilege it is, y'all, to, to be in relationship with Jesus. But more importantly, y'all, to be in partnership with you guys. I want, to, I, I want to tell you honestly, Red Tree, that you guys have three of the greatest pastors in the area. And, and, and Pastor Sam, amen, Let's celebrate God for your leaders, that's good. And Pastor Sam and Pastor Craig and Pastor Jesse, I, I've had an opportunity to know these guys for the last several years, and they always express their love, their care, their concern, and their desire for you to grow in the gospel. So much so, they have, they have led you guys to be a church that not only focuses on the community where you are, but even willing to stretch your arms, both financially and your prayers, to us at Faith Community Bible Church. And just like Paul said in Philippians 1, we are grateful for your partnership in the gospel. It, it's because you guys care more about um, everybody than yourselves that churches like Faith Community are able to exist where they are. So, so from the bottom of our heart, thank you so much for your partnership in the gospel with faith community. And, and, and it's our prayer that soon, right, once COVID lifts and all of that good stuff, that we will be able to come and put feet on the ground in your community with you, even if it's knocking on doors, having a black party, making a whole lot of noise in Sam's front yard. We want to do it, <laughs> right? So we're, so we're super grateful for you guys. Y'all, I'm thankful today to have my wife Tracy with me today. I know Craig already talked about her, but can't nobody talk about her like I can. I love her with everything that's in me, and I'm thankful, Tracy, I love you. Um, grateful for, for Pastor Baker and his amazing wife, Melinda, for, for being with us today. Y'all, um, these are the first ladies of Faith Community, right? I'm saying that today because I call them sisters, and I want to make sure I set the record straight. Now, no, that, we're, we're, I'm grateful for them, y'all. I'm going to tell you, y'all, um, with everything that's been going on for us over the last several months, it's been hard. But being able to do ministry with these three makes it worth it, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to be here. Y'all, grab your Bibles. Let's go to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. I asked Sam when I talked to him the other day, man, how, how long I got to preach? 
And he said, man, you, you got to quiet down at a certain time so you can take as much time as you need. But I want to let you all know my time spent here today is all contingent upon if you talk back to me or not. Okay? If y'all got somewhere to be at like 5, 5.15, then you got to say amen when I'm talking. Right? But if you just like just want me to take my time, then keep, keep being quiet. I'll, I'll preach to myself. Right? We in Psalms 19. I mean, Psalms 9, I mean, Psalms, Acts 9, Acts 9, verses 1 through 19. Um, I'm going to ask if you can do me a favor as I read this to us today. Why don't you stand with me? Stand with me. I'm going to read all 19 verses. Acts chapter 9, beginning at verse 1. Here it is. Now Saul was still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. He went to the high priest and requested letters from him to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any men or women who belonged to the way, he might bring them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he traveled and was nearing Damascus, a light from heaven suddenly flashed around him. Falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul said. I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting, he replied. But get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the sound, but seeing no one. Saul got up from the ground and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they took him by the hand and led him into Damascus. He was unable to see for three days and did not eat or drink. Verse 10, there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, here I am, Lord. He replied, get up and go to the street called Straight. The Lord said to him, to the house of Judas and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, since he's praying there. In a vision, he had seen a man named Ananias coming in, a play, coming in and placing his hands on him so that he may regain his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard from many people about this man, how much harm he's done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has authority here from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go. For this man is my chosen instrument to take my name to the Gentiles and kings and Israelites. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. And Ananias went and entered the house. He placed his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road you were traveling has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit at once. Something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. That's Acts 9 verses verses 1 through 19. Let me pray. Father, thank you for today. The privilege for us to worship together, Lord, to know, God, that you are with us. And that you will never leave nor forsake us is super encouraging. So I pray, God, that as we hear your word, Lord, that our ears will be unplugged, that our hearts will be challenged. God, that we will 
reflect on our lives, God, and know, God, that you're in control. God, as I preach today, I ask you to let me preach with clarity, with power, God, but that your voice will be so much greater than mine. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, my strength and my redeemer. This prayer and all of our prayers we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Y'all, as you take your seats today, I just would like to use, if I can, as a topic, a change that's worth it. A change that's worth it. I want to ask you today, if I can, just thinking about you, your life, thinking about your own mind and how you process things. How often does your mind think about change? How often do you really just look at where you are, think about who you are, and just simply think, I need to change. Something about me has to change. I remember an old song that that used to come on the radio a lot when I was a kid. They used to sing it in the church. A change, a change has come over me. He changed my life and now I'm free. He washed away all my sins and he made me whole. He washed me white as snow. He changed my life complete and now I sit. I sit at his feet to do what must be done. I'll work and work until he comes. A wonderful change has come over me. Let me ask you, what's your story? When you think back um, in the day, right, how you were, did you really know anything? How did people react to you? How did you react to people while each of us have a past, all of us have a story? One thing is true, is that all of us need to experience a change. We all, at some point or another, must Come to ourselves, wake up and smell the coffee, crack open a can of Folgers, if you will, and experience conversion. Because, see, see, here's the thing. Our natural inclination is to pursue our own desires or rather what we think is right. But the only way for us to really begin to see things differently, the only way for us to experience any sort of paradigm shift is really to be converted. Well, how can I be converted? Well, let me tell you, conversion only happens, I'm talking about genuine, lasting conversion, a change that's worth it. It only happens when we experience Jesus. See, that presents a problem, right? Because even today in 2021, we have churches full of people but empty of conversion. We have so many people, right, updating Twitter feeds and taking Instagram selfies around crosses saying they belong to Jesus. But the problem is that they've never experienced him, which means that if you have not experienced Jesus, right, if you have failed to give him your heart, then everything that you experience is temporary and you need to be converted. Understand this conversion, real change only happens when you experience Jesus. And that's the main point today, right? That's what Acts chapter 9 is really molding us to see, right? Conversion only happens when we experience Jesus. 
Now, understand this conversion is this process, right, of changing or causing something to change from one form to another. See, back in the days, y'all, when Saul, right, Saul was one of those leaders who thought that he knew everything. He, quote unquote, knew that Jesus was an imposter. He knew, quote unquote, that the disciples were not only wrong, but were endangering the peace with the Romans. He knew, quote unquote, that the only good follower of Jesus was a dead follower of Jesus. That's what Saul taught. But wrapped in his own self-righteousness, Saul decided that he was the one to do something about it. And he said about Attacking everyone, y'all, who um, was one of these insane followers. He wanted to cleanse the earth of such people. Filled with hatred, y'all, Saul set out to do it. See, when we see someone like Saul, our immediate response is similar to his. We believe that those who go around with hate in their heart, attacking other temples, mosques, and even churches, should themselves be put to death. But what's amazing, what's amazing, y'all, isn't that Saul existed. What's amazing isn't that people like Saul exist. Because they'll exist in every generation. It isn't simply that people like Saul exist that's amazing. What's amazing is that they don't have to stay that way. See, we see that, y'all, in those who choose to hate and kill others, y'all, whether it's a gang, right, kill or be killed, or a religious fanatic, or a student in the school who wants to make a name for themselves, people like Saul not only exist in our world today, but make the news almost every single day. What amazes us, y'all, what should amaze us is what the Holy Spirit had in mind. Not only to change him, but hear this, to use him. It's interesting that we live in a culture, right, where we turn our backs on people who we deem useless. People who we tend to feel are too dangerous, we turn our backs. But let me tell you this. Do you know that what we throw away, the people we throw away, God actually wants to change and use? I tell a story sometime, y'all, about a tube of toothpaste and how when I was a kid, right, we would start from the top and we would squeeze it. But what would happen is that we would want to throw this tube of toothpaste away as soon as ain't nothing coming out of this, ain't no good. Mom said, boy, what are you doing? That's a perfectly good tube of toothpaste. She said, I said, Ma, no, it ain't nothing come out of it. It ain't nothing coming out of it. She said, well, what you got to do is you got to grab it and start rolling it from the bottom. And when you roll it from the bottom, it, hey, I mean, it'll last at least another week. <laughs> See, what we do with that tube of toothpaste is what we do with people. Right? Because what, what's coming out of them ain't what we think it should be. Because what's coming out of them, right, ain't what make us feel good. We want to throw them away. But God said, no, not only will you not throw them away, but I will use them for my glory. It's interesting, y'all. This angry young man, this angry young man who was being thrown away by folks and who he was, right, from killer to convert, this angry young man will go on 
and established 14 churches that's named in the New Testament. But he would write to them and encourage them and instruct them, y'all. Listen, in doing so, 28% of the New Testament. In fact, the oldest writing from the New Testament was written by Paul, this useless killer. Right? He, God used him. More than 50,000 words in scripture is attributed to him, and these are only the letters that survived. How did this happen? How did this man who went from killer to convert, this man that took advantage of the opportunities that were in front of him to kill folk who believed in Jesus, right? How did, how did he do this? How did he go from church killer to church planter? How did he go right from, from a man who killed people to a man that can write and encourage people? It's because he experienced Jesus. He experienced Jesus. See, lots of us, y'all, will never change because we won't take our hands off our own life. We won't take our hands off our own thoughts and ideas long enough for Jesus to show us anything different. See, because we're so stuck in how we think things should go. So stuck in how we think things should be done. So stuck on how we think things should be said. So stuck on how we think that people should move and shake that we totally box out the person and work of the Holy Spirit. It's heartbreaking, right, that we have become a people, right, that want things to be done our way, that we, we always say we do doing order, but we box out the Holy Spirit in the process. Here's the problem. The American church today wouldn't recognize the Holy Spirit if he slapped them in the face. Why? Because it don't happen the way we want it to happen. Don't, don't, don't you run too much. Don't you shout hallelujah. Don't you clap your hands, because if you do, that ain't of God. But can I just be honest with you, Sam? I don't want a relationship with a Jesus I can't feel. Right? right? I, I, I'm going to tell you, right, what I've learned, right, because I've experienced Jesus, right, there is something that I experienced on the outside, on the inside, that won't allow me to keep my composure on the outside. There's something, this change that happened to me on the inside that, 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 that makes me tell the whole world, for God I live and for God I die. Why? Because I experienced Jesus. Have you experienced Jesus? I'm talking about change that will last a lifetime. See, we box out the Holy Spirit. We talk all the time, y'all, about how we try to play the Holy Spirit in the lives of others. But here's the thing. I believe y'all didn't attempt to be something that we aren't. We also play the role of the Holy Spirit in our own lives as well. We want to change our own lives, hanging out with new people, change our own lives, right? Mess up so bad where, where we change our social security number. We want to control our own lives, change ourselves. If I could just get this new job. Let, can, I, can I tell you this right? Even if you get a new job, if your heart ain't changed, you're going to mess up that one too. Change ourselves looking for an exit door in marriage. Right? But let me tell you, when you experience Jesus, you, re, you realize quickly there is no exit door in marriage. Without expressing Jesus, y'all, all of the changes that, 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 that we make are temporary. Without experiencing Jesus, all that we do is take a broken, unconverted heart and try to force it to do something that it's not capable of. 
Oh, oh, okay. You, uh, uh, all right, come here then. Um, Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is more deceitful than anything and uncurable. Who can understand it? But when you experience Jesus, real conversion, real heart change happens. Come here, Ezekiel 36, 26. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I'll remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Conversion only happens when? You truly experience Jesus. What am I saying? If he don't have your heart, he don't have you. Well, Pastor Mike, it's 4 o'clock on a Sunday. I've experienced Jesus. Let me tell you this. There's no difference from you sitting here at 4 o'clock on a Sunday than you being at home watching a football game. If Jesus don't have your heart, he don't have you. Conversion only happens when we experience Jesus. But here in this text, y'all, Acts 9 verse 1 through 19, Paul experienced Jesus and his life was forever changed. He went from killer to convert, right? Saul of Tarsus, y'all, as he traveled to Damascus where he intended to bring persecutions upon Christians in that city. The scripture tells us, y'all, that Saul was breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. He was consumed, y'all, by murderous intent, so much so that he couldn't see past himself. But here's what happens. God gets Saul's attention in a way he never expected. He sent him crashing to the ground with a blazing light and instructed him to enter the city and wait for instructions. But when Paul opened his eyes, he found himself blind and had to ask others to lead him by the hand into the city. In one unforeseen moment, God gained his attention. He gained his undivided attention, striking him with the adversity of blindness and no doubt humiliating him in front of his traveling companions as he groveled to the dust. But God had Saul exactly where he wanted him. See, in that moment, y'all, Saul felt more than ready to listen when the Lord asked, why are you persecuting me? Up to that point, y'all, Saul, he had no idea who he was, uh, that, that he was persecuting the Lord. He thought he was doing the Lord a favor by ridding the world of Christians. A period of intense adversity, y'all, resulted in a complete turnaround for him. Within a matter of days, y'all, hear this, Within a matter of days, he was proclaiming Jesus in the synagogues. Can I tell you this, believer? You have no excuse as to why you're not being intentionally evangelistic. You have no excuse as to why you aren't making disciples. Well, pastor, I'm a new Christian. I've only been saved for three years. Do I really have to make disciples? Yeah, Paul was killing them. But in days, right? In days, he was proclaiming Jesus in the synagogue. There's no reason why you aren't doing ministry where life exists. There's no reason why you, right, aren't, let, let me tell you this. If you aren't making disciples, you're killing them. If you aren't telling the story of Jesus, then you're pointing people away from them. In a matter of days, he was proclaiming Jesus in the synagogue. If it took temporary blindness and humiliation to get Saul's attention, it was worth it, y'all. 
For through Saul, known to us as Paul, y'all, the apostle, the gospel expanded and churches grew across the Roman world. We learn from this, right? We learn from this story, right? To not delay in responding to the Lord because when he makes a move to get our attention, he's going to get it. We got to respond quickly and humbly and listen for what he has to say. Conversion only happens when we experience Jesus. Paul experienced Jesus and his life was forever changed. What about you? Well, Pastor Bird, this is a pastor, this is a bit far-fetched. Conversion is something that I just can't experience. Do you think, do you really think that God want to change me now? I've been in this place for a long time. Pastor Mike, you ain't heard it. You can't be in no oak tree. I'm setting my ways. I'm mean and surly. Ain't nothing about me going to change. Let me tell you this. There's nothing too powerful that God can't change it. There's nothing so set in its way, right, that God in his sovereignty cannot Change it, right? You too can experience conversion. You too can be changed by experiencing Jesus. Hear this. God does not want us to stay the way that we are. He desires for us to be conformed to the image of his son. Well, how does he do it? The text tells us. This text, it's 19 verses, shares for us three actions that Christ does. In our conversion, three actions that Christ does in our conversion, right? While, while I'm there, can I just let you know that genuine change happens at the hands of God and not by your decisions? The, 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 the change that God wants us to experience has nothing to do with you, nothing to do with your thoughts or even your own hands, but everything to do with him. There's three actions. That Christ does in our conversion. Here it is. Number one. He reveals himself to us. He reveals to us who he is. Watch what he says in in, in verse three. As he traveled and he was nearing Damascus, a light from heaven suddenly flashed around him, falling to the ground. He heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul said. I am Jesus. The one you are persecuting, he replied. See, many of us never experience real change, y'all, because we're expecting a Damascus Road experience. We're looking for God to crack open a door, walk through it, and just shake us up. We're constantly waiting on this small, still voice to speak when the reality is we lock our doors so tight that the entry can't even be breached. We built a brick wall, this mansion around our heart and saying, God, if you real, break it. But he's saying, wait a minute, I didn't build it. Why do I need to break it? We, we, we can hear, the thing is, right, even as we consider ourselves waiting for this small, still voice to speak, we can't hear it because our lives are too loud. I'm so glad, y'all, that we serve a God who is strong enough to breach the doors. Of any heart and heart. I'm so glad that, that our God doesn't speak with the, with the small, still voice only, but he reveals his power through his word and speaks so that we can hear him clearly. Yes. 
He reveals himself to us. This text, y'all, talks about how a light from heaven flashed around him. Y'all, that's significant for us today, y'all, because as we are converted, God reveals himself to us. How? Right. That that, that, that piece in scripture right there was was for us to see that as God reveals himself to us, he's doing so by revealing his glory to us. Like, would you recognize God's glory if you saw it? Right. Probably not because we like our own glory. Right. He reveals his glory to us. What I'm saying here is that he reveals to us the beauty of his spirit. He reveals to us his character and all that he is. Hear this. God reveals himself to us through the Holy Spirit. See, Holy Spirit, y'all. The Holy Spirit to the life of a believer is what the check engine light is to your car. I'm going to tell y'all. I used to drive a 1999 Pontiac Montana. It was green. It was big and it was dirty. Right? Like, 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 like Jesse, like I tell you about this car, right, right, whenever I hit the brakes, the whole dashboard lit up. <laughs> That's a car. <laughs> My kids were young, so I had McDonald's french fries under the seat from 12 months ago. Right, it stunk so bad, I was used to it. It was a bad car, right? But, I, but, 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 but hear this, I, I need y'all to hear this. It wasn't bad when I drove it off the lot. It was bad because I didn't take care of it. So one day I'm driving on the highway. The check engine light comes on. I said, oh, man, went home, babe. The check engine light came on in my car. She said, you might want to get it looked at. I said, okay, I will. I drove a whole nine to 12 months on that check engine light. Till one day the car just clunked out. When it was finally time to repair it, it was something crazy to get it fixed. And the mechanic said to me, he said, listen, before it got this bad, I'm sure the check engine light came on first to warn you that it was a problem. Mm -hmm. Did it happen? I said, it did. He said, well, why didn't you get it checked in? I said, because I just rolled with the check engine light on. He said, well, now it's going to cost you more than what the car is worth. Because when you first got the warning that something was wrong, you didn't take care of it. What am I saying? The Holy Spirit has been on in the life of the believer for quite some time. But instead of us checking our heart where we are, we're constantly trugging ahead, constantly trugging ahead, blaming God that we are ignoring the red flags. But no, what am I saying? The Holy Spirit is the voice or the conscience of the Father and the Son living in us. And we got to stop ignoring it. When we listen to the Holy Spirit's promptings, y'all, we'll certainly know God's desires and intentions for us. God reveals himself to us not only through his spirit, but also through his word. Come here. Psalms 119.105. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light to my path. Hear this. God's word is, that's how God reveals himself. Let me tell you, God ain't saying nothing new. 
Everything that he's saying to us is in his word. That's why he said in Hebrews 1, right? In latter days, he spoke through the prophets. But in these times, he's speaking to us through his son. Well, how is that the word? Well, come here, John 1. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God, and the word was God. Drop down verse 14. The word became flesh and dwelled among us. He's speaking through his word. He's revealing himself through his word. But let me let, look. Y- y'all don't get it twisted. God also reveals himself through other folks. Yes. He, he reveals himself through other people. Just like God used Moses to reveal himself to the Israelites. God often uses other people in situations to reveal himself to us, too. And our conversion, y'all, he reveals himself so that we won't try to take glory in our own chains. Do you know that if you change and you're becoming a better version of yourself and you fail to acknowledge that it's the hand of God at work in your life, you're going to try to boast in your own strength? Conversion only happens when we experience Jesus. Not only does he does he reveal himself to us, but number two, he uses people for his glory and our good. He uses people for his glory and our good. Watch what he says. Here it is. Watch this. Verse six. But get up and go into the city, and you'll be told what you must do. The men who were traveling with them stood speechless, hearing the sound, but seeing no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they took him by the hand and led him into Damascus. He was unable to speak for three days and did not eat or drink. There was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, here I am, Lord, he replied, get up and go to the street called Straight. The Lord said to him, to the house of Judas, and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, since he is praying there. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming and places his hand on him so that he may regain his sight. Now hear this, y'all. Well, I firmly believe wholeheartedly that conversion only happens when we experience Jesus, I also wholeheartedly believe that God uses people to help us through our conversion. He uses people to help us through our change. See, we've painted a picture, y'all, in our mind that when things get difficult, what we need is time alone. Or when we're having trouble in this walk, we just want to figure it out on our own. Let me go in my room. Let me close all of my curtains and lay in, a, in the fetal position until I make myself feel better. Let me tell you this. You can't make yourself feel better because if you, if you could have, you would have done it already. Those scripture, let me tell y'all, scripture has a whole lot to say about us being there for one another, but for some reason we overlook it. Philippians 2. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Come here, Romans 15, 1. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Come here, Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. God uses people to come alongside us in this walk, y'all. I'm not just referring uh, I'm, not, I'm not referring to just a random text, y'all, here uh, um, and there, or, or we just happen to bump into one another. I'm specifically, listen, I'm talking about doing life together. I ain't talking about just texting somebody, hey, I'm just checking in. I ain't talking about, right, comment on a Facebook status, girl, I was just thinking about you. 
No, we're talking about doing life together. Who, let, me, let me ask you this. Who are you responsible for and who's responsible for you? Yes, God wants to change you. Yes, he's revealing himself to you, but he does that as you do life with other people. Right? Notice in the text of Will, y'all, that those who helped him, those who helped him, here it is, were those who were there with him. They're like, don't miss it. Those who helped him were those who were there with him. He says it. Watch, watch verse 7 and 8. The men who were traveling, hear this, with him, they were traveling with him. They stood speechless. Hearing the sound, but seeing no one, Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they took him by the hand and led him to Damascus. Who were you allowed to lead? Let me ask you. Who were you allowed to lead you by the hand? Who are you allowing to walk close to you? Now, now I need you to understand. It goes two ways. You just can't expect people to always come in your space, but you have to make time to go in there. God uses people for his glory and our good. See, this text shows us, y'all, that there's two types of people in the world that God uses. People who just, people who just know you and people who just heard about you from others. See, the people who knew Paul, y'all, actually grabbed him by the hand and led him to Damascus. And once he got to Damascus, there was another man there named Ananias. God said to him, get up and go over the straight avenue. Ask at the house of Judas for a man named Tarsus. For a man from Tarsus, his name is Saul. He's there praying. He has just had a dream in which he saw a man named Ananias into the house and lay hands on him so he could see. But Ananias then begins to protest. Master, you, you what? Man, you can't be serious. You mean to tell me this dude just had a dream that I was just going to walk through the door looking? Man, you ain't serious. Everybody's talking about this man and the terrible things he's been doing. His reign of terror against the people of Jerusalem. Everybody's talking about him. And now he's shown up here with papers from the chief priest that give him a license to do the same to us is what they were thinking. Let me tell you, there's people who know us simply because they just heard about us from other folk. But there's people who only know us based off of what they hear from other people. But hear this. God uses both. God uses people who are going to talk bad about you, but he also uses people who are going to speak life into you. Right? All of, all of those right statements, y'all, that we use and think that we ought to be alone, God has never created us to be on an island. He created us for relationships. Well, I'm an introvert. I don't like people. That's not what that means. It just means you on the inside. Even introverts love people. They just like certain people at certain times. (laughs) Even extroverts love people. They just love everybody. Hugging and all that. Can I? We social. Can we quarantine? God uses all people for His glory and our good. Conversion only happens when we experience Jesus. Right? Let me tell you this. Third point, hear this. When Jesus converts us, 
He helps us to truly see. Number one, he reveals himself. Number two, he uses people. And number three, he helps us to see. Brother Saul, the master sent me. The same Jesus you saw on your way here. He sent me so you could see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Y'all know sooner were the words out of his mouth that something like scales fell from Saul's eyes. He could see again. Notice this, y'all. Notice this. He sent me so that you could see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, listen, what I want you to see here, y'all, is that God converts us. Hear this. Because he wants you to see. Not just temporarily, but permanently. It's his desire that we have eternal sight. Yes, sir. So he fills us with his spirit so that we can see what, he will, what his will is for our lives. Right? Romans 12, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice Holy and acceptable unto God is your reasonable service. He says, be not conformed to the things of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may know what the perfect will of God is. God wants us to see his perfect will, so he changes us. He, he, he converts us. He conforms us into the image of his son, allowing us to see what we would miss any other time. He wants you to see. He wants you to see. Notice, notice y'all in the text, right? When he filled him with the Holy Spirit. I gotta, gotta say this. Listen, when he filled him with the Holy Spirit, Sister Tracy, he ain't start speaking in tongues. He, he didn't start speaking in tongues, but, but, he, but, 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 we, but we do see something in the text. While he didn't start speaking in tongues, he wasted no time preaching in the meeting places that this Jesus was the son of God. When, when the Lord opened his eyes, he wasted no time talking to people, telling them that God is holy and righteous and he won't ignore sin. He wasted no time telling them that man, man sinned against God, therefore our relationship with God is broken. He wasted no time telling them that anything that's broken needs to be fixed. He wasted no time telling them that Jesus did for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Wasted no time talking to them about the perfection of the sinless son of God who took our sins on his back, right? Was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, took no time talking to them about how he was buried in a borrowed tomb, took no time telling them, right, how he rose from the grave with all power in his hands, took no time talking to them to turn from sin and turn to God. He wasted no time telling the gospel, the only story in history where the hero died for the villain. He didn't waste no time. He didn't waste no time. Why? Because he understood something. He know he had no time to waste. He had no time to waste. He wasted no time preaching in the meeting places that this Jesus was the son of God. Let me tell you this. Hear this. If sin is believing, if sin is believing, then believing is proclaiming. 
if seeing is believing, then believing is proclaiming. God does not convert us. He does not change us just for us to hide. He converts us to waste no time sharing and proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ to others. Let me tell you, just as Saul was changed to Paul, maybe God wants to change your name too. Maybe he wants to convert you. You can be changed from sinner to saint. You can be changed from slave to free. You can be conformed from criminal to Christian, from lost to found, from corrupted to converted. You too can have the same testimony as John Newton, a man who didn't grow up with any religious conviction, but, 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 but experienced, right? Who experienced Jesus, right? When he sang and wrote that, oh, oh, him, amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. T'was grace that taught my heart to fear. In grace, my fears relieved. How precious did the grace appear. The hour I first believed through dangers, toils, and snares. I've already come. T'was grace that brought us safe thus far. And grace will lead me home. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Conversion only happens when we experience Jesus. He converts us. He changes us. He transforms us by revealing himself. By using people for his glory and our good. And he changes us by helping us to see a change that lasts forever. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful today that you allow us, oh God, to know that you're in control and just reflect on the reality, God, that you have the power to change us. So may we trust you. May we lean and depend on you, God, knowing that you hold this world in your hands. Lord, we honor you. We adore you. We magnify you. Make yourself known to us as we are instruments in your hands to see even our world change. We love you, Father, and we thank you for hearing our prayer. Amen.